0: This morning, I'm going to speak to you on the second part of the message that I started last week. I didn't really plan to make this two-part message, but I couldn't finish it last week. So I'm going to finish it today, and I hope that you'll bear with me. I'm going to give you a little bit of a review of what I said last Sunday, and then give you the things that I didn't have time to get to. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 4. I'll read verses of Scripture there that take up the story of the man who was healed when Peter and John were walking up to the temple at the hour of prayer as it was their custom to do. They walked by the gate that was called the beautiful gate. There was a man sitting there. He sat there every day. The scripture says daily. I'm assuming that that over... Cuts out the Sabbath. They wouldn't have had him there at that time, looking at his begging as being a job or work. But every other day he was there at the beautiful gate asking for alms to support himself. He was over 40 years old, which was an old person in those days, and he had never walked in all of his life. So Peter and John walking by saw the man sitting there as they had seen him many times before. And this man had seen them on numbers of occasions as well, because it was their custom to go to the temple on a regular basis. And so now they're walking by, and the man puts out his hand and asks for money. I have sometimes peculiar thoughts as I read the scriptures. I kind of think about it in terms of just exactly like it is today. It was just another era. I don't know how many times they'd been walking by him before. I don't know if they'd ever given him any money before. (laughs) They didn't give him any this time. And so if they had never given him any before, he didn't give up. He kept on asking. If they gave him something other times than they walked by, he was hoping they would give it to him again. Nevertheless, on this particular day, as they walked by, and he asked for alms, Peter turned and looked at him, and he said, look at us. He looked at Peter and John, and Peter spoke, saying, We don't have any silver or gold, but what we do have, we will give you. And then he reached out and grabbed his hand and said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man jumped up. Another peculiar thing, if we were to have an experience of a healing like that today, we would expect people to acclimate themselves and get accustomed to moving about, get accustomed to strength in their legs. But this man needed none of that. The miracle included his instant ability to walk. He had never walked, but he knew how to walk. And not only did he walk, the Bible says he ran, and he jumped, and he leaped, and he praised God at every step and every jump and every leap. He was praising God because he had been healed. Now, his livelihood was gone. He wouldn't be able to beg anymore. Nobody's going to walk by and give money to a man like that. So his livelihood was gone. His whole life was going to change. People walked by pitying him before. That wasn't going to happen anymore. He couldn't draw on the sympathy of people because of his inabilities, because of being crippled. He couldn't do that. So his whole life now was going to change But it didn't seem to bother him at all. He was so overwhelmed in the victory of what the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth had provided for him. He just went about rejoicing and praising God in every step of what he was doing. And he kept on praising God. And there was such a commotion brought about by this great work of the Lord that multitudes of people began to gather in the courtyard of the temple. Thousands of them were there. After after they had gathered and they were wondering what had happened, Peter began to declare the message to them and he told them that what had happened was the Christ that they had crucified, that God had raised again from the dead, had touched this man and made him whole, healed him and given him a healing victory. And the people absorbed it and believed it. Why wouldn't they believe it? They saw with their own eyes what God had done. They saw the man healed standing there with Peter and John. There was no way they could question a miracle that happened because they knew that this was the man they had seen on a regular basis daily at the temple begging for help. And now he was totally different. He was walking, running, jumping, leaping all over the place. He was the leader that day of a Pentecostal service. (laughs) The instigator of a shouting time. (laughs) and so everybody turned and looked at him and they were all amazed and when Peter preached the message of the gospel to them the Bible says 5,000 men were saved there were only 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost remember now at this miracle there were 5,000 more saved it was a great, great time of mighty and powerful victory and everybody, everybody in Jerusalem were just loving it and rejoicing about it and happy and overwhelmed with the thrill of it all weren't they no No, the people that didn't like it were the religious leaders. The high church people, they didn't like it. Those that had the right to say who could shout and who couldn't, they didn't like it. Those that had the right to say you can be healed on the Sabbath or not, they said no, you can't. They didn't like it. And so what was their first step to do something about it? They decided they'd get the preachers. So they went after Peter and John And they took them and put them in jail. And this is what happened. And as they were speaking, Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day where it was already evening. They didn't want to take any chances on leaving them out overnight, so they arrested them and put them in jail until the next day when the Sanhedrin could conveniently try them and find out what was going on. So on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, when they had set Peter and John in front of them, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Now that's the wrong question to ask if you're trying to settle things. That's the wrong question to ask if you want to calm things down. That's the wrong question to ask when you take somebody who who has just been used of God in a mighty expression of God's power and glory and victory, and you say, how did you do this? By what name or by what power did you do this? And Peter, no longer the Peter of denial in the courtyard of Pilate, no longer the one who was running at the rest of Jesus in the garden, now Peter, having met the risen Christ, having a personal experience with Him, having been in the glory on the day of Pentecost and filled with the Holy Spirit, now filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter starts to answer them. And when they had asked Him that question, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, and here's what made the difference. This is what made the difference for Simon Peter. This is what the scripture says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them. I won't read all that he said, but he said, you rulers and elders, if you've called us in question for what we've done, be it known unto you that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, Even by this man does this, even by this name does this this man stand here before you whole today. He gave them the message, declared it to them. And this is the occasion, this is the message in which he said, and he concluded his message by saying, and neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He declared the name of Jesus in full victory, in full power. And the people who were hearing him, the rulers who were hearing him, were disturbed by it. But this is, I like what the King James says in the next verse. Verse 13. I I read in the English Standard regularly, but this is what the King James says. Now when they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they, they considered them unlearned and ignorant. Not that they were unlearned, they were just not formally trained. Not that they were ignorant about the things that they needed to have knowledge of. As I've said before, everybody's ignorant about some things, but they were not ignorant about Jesus. They, had, they knew what they needed to know. But these people who were questioning them didn't know. And so the people who questioned and decided they are unlearned and ignorant and we can take advantage of them. But they did say this. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. There was something about them that was different, something about them that made them noticeable. And the Sanhedrin, the ruling body, took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Not only did they proclaim the name of Jesus of Nazareth, they showed forth the glory of His presence. They showed the name gloriously in their lives. He, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And then they decided We're going to stop them from preaching. Now, we cannot deny that a miracle has taken place. You need to remember this now. I'm going to come back to this. They can't deny that a miracle has taken place. because see, they would like to say this is just a ruse. This is just a farce. It's a sham. It's a pretense. This didn't happen. They had this man here planted. And when they came out, they had their cue. And when they said what they said, he jumped up and started running around. But they couldn't do that because everybody knew the man. He had been there for years at the beautiful gate of the temple. Same place. It was like same time, same place, every day, always here. And he was the man. They didn't try to say it was anybody else because they couldn't do it. And in fact, they they couldn't do much to Peter and John. They wanted to. They wanted to destroy them, but they couldn't because they were afraid if they did, the mob of people would overwhelm them and overcome them because they saw what had happened. They believed what had happened. You know it's hard not to believe your own eyes. It's not—it's hard not to believe what you see and know is happening and true. You can say God doesn't save people today. I—I I mean, I mean it would be nice if He did, but God doesn't do things like that. But when you see somebody who's really had a changed life, their life is different. Their life is changed. God's made a difference in their life. There, you can't come and say God doesn't do that today because you're looking at somebody that's happened to. And if you ask them, they'll tell you. So they couldn't deny it. They wanted to, but they couldn't deny it. So here's what they did. They made their decision. They said, we're going to tell them that they will be incurring our wrath if they keep on teaching and preaching in this name. And we're going to come against them with all the force that we have to stop them if they think they can go out and teach and preach in this name of Jesus. So we're going to tell them to stop it and don't do it anymore. And because we're nice guys, we're going to just let you go. If you'll promise to stop, we're going to let you go. Now, they didn't have a choice about letting them go because they were afraid if they did anything to punish them, the whole mob would have come on them and it would have jumped on them and started stoning them. They didn't have any choice about it, so they took credit for what they had to do anyway. We're going to let you go. But, but we want to be sure that you don't keep on doing what you've been doing. And so we're going to say to you that... We say, do not speak any more, but, verse 17, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they made their agreement. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, if you'll stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus, we'll let you go and things will be all right. But Peter answered them. And Peter said, now, whether it's right in your sight to listen to you, more than to God, you'll have to judge that. But one thing we know is we have to speak the things that we have both seen and heard. We have to tell the truth that we know is the truth. Now, you know, it's a, it's a great, great thing when you know something. Not when you think you know something. Because everybody who knows you knows that you think you know something you don't know. (laughs) You, You have labored intensely to try to convince them that you know something that you really don't know. So it's also a good thing when you know that you know something. It's also a good thing when you know that you don't know something. I'd say one's as good as the other, but now the part that I want to tell you about is, here's the great thing, here's the wonderful thing. When you really know who he is, when you really know what he can do because you've experienced it, when you've really personally met Jesus and you know him, you know him, you know him, you know him, and no matter what the world says to you, you can't know Jesus today, you know that's not true because you already know him. You know that's not true because you've already met him. And when the world says you can't know him, you know that you can because you already know him. You know, there was a time in my life people could have convinced me of almost anything religiously because I didn't know anything about religion. Didn't know anything about the Bible. Didn't know anything about God. They probably could have convinced me. If the Jehovah's Witnesses got me early enough, they might have made me one. I don't know. They might. I mean some outlandish group I mean I might have been a Scientologist if they got to me early enough who knows but thank God thank God (laughs) he got me first he got hold of me first hallelujah when I hear all these weird things and a special I say, it, it, it isn't possible to really know Him today. I mean, you can know about God, you can understand it, and you can become a good person, but you can't really personally know Him. It's too late to tell me that. Because years and years ago on a Sunday night, August the 6th on a Sunday night, when I gave my heart to God, He transformed me and changed me and made me a different person. And when I got up and walked away... And I left all the tears, all the tears in my body. I left them on that chair. And I don't know how many handkerchiefs I went through. I, those churches in that day couldn't afford to provide Kleenex. I don't know how many handkerchiefs I went through. I know people handed me their handkerchiefs because I was bawling and squalling and crying. And this went on and on and on. And they'd hand me a handkerchief. I, I just thought about it. Well, I hate to think about those people who had to take those things back. <laughs> Whew. But anyway, I didn't think about it then because I didn't care. All I cared about was what God was doing for me. And God was doing something real. God was changing my life. And when I got up off my knees in front of that old metal chair where I gave my heart to Jesus, I got up and started walking away. I knew, one thing I knew, I knew I was a different person. I wasn't the same person who knelt down in that chair. I was a different person who got up and I was walking in the glory of God and the salvation of the Lord. And I was a new creature. Now, now, if anybody had met me and said, tell us what happened to you, I, all I could have said was I got saved. That's all I could have told them because I didn't know any more than that. And, 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 and I wouldn't have known that except some people asked me, did you get saved? And so I guess they, I thought they were asking me the right question, so I said, yes, I did. Now what I knew was my life, I knew I was a different person. I knew I was changed inwardly from the inside. Totally, completely, I knew I was changed. Now nobody in all the years that have passed and all the things that I've heard and read and the college classes I've been to and the, and, and the humanism that I've been exposed to and the liberalism that I've heard expounded and I've been in college classes for, for, for well I started to say too much, but maybe not too much. Anyway. I've sat and heard a lot of professors, heard a lot of things told, a lot of things explained to me, a lot of things said that I didn't believe. And the reason I didn't believe it, because I knew it wasn't true. I knew it wasn't true because I had an experience that told me different. I had an experience that was reality. I had an experience that was personal and real and genuine and nothing that the world could ever say could change that. And nothing in all these years has ever changed that. It's still true today as it was then. So you can say, you can tell me not to do it as long as you want to, but I'm going to have to do it anyway. You can't, you can really know you're saved, friends. You can really know this. The devil will tell you, oh, he's just telling you something that's beyond, he's just telling you something that's beyond what you can experience. Not so. Not so. How many of you here know today? You know because you know that you know. You can know that you're saved. You know it. You know it. You, know it. you can know it. You can know it. You can know it. Hallelujah. You can know it. I, you know, about 14 days after I was saved, I, I've told you this before, and I won't go into telling it, but I was, I was on a Wednesday night at <laughs> a service, and I, people had told me I needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know why that was. But that's what they told me. And I was with a group that I believed what they told me. And they were telling me the Bible. I found out later they really were telling me the Bible. They were telling me the truth. They said I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I believed it and I started seeking God for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Didn't know how to seek God for the baptism, but I did what they told me. And it doesn't matter what, how, how, The, the point of the matter is that I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All the obstacles I went over and the, false directions and everything that I was given. But God took me over all that and filled me with the Holy Spirit. And then later on, I was somewhere in some class, some college or reading some book or something and I read that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues was not for today. That was for another era. That got closed out with the early church era and it wasn't available anymore. I didn't believe that. I might have believed it, but I knew better. I knew better because I had a living witness that told me it just was not true. I had a living witness inside me that every day was telling me you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit today. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit today. You can walk in the glory and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit today because the experience is just as real today as it was on the day of Pentecost, as it was when Paul spoke to the Ephesian brethren and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, as it was when Peter in the 10th chapter of Acts went into the household of Cornelius and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just as real today as it was when the Apostle Paul was baptized in the Holy Spirit who later on said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than all of you because he knew it was real he had the experience and my friend when you've had it happen to you when you know it's happened to you it doesn't matter what the world tells you it doesn't matter what the theologians tell you it doesn't tell you matter what the books written about it tell you it doesn't matter what the college tell you it doesn't matter what the university professors tell you one thing you know is if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit you know it's real you're filled with the Spirit of God and it does not change hallelujah oh glory to God hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. That's just a bottle of water. <laughs> Calm myself down here a little bit. I do get involved and carried away with it sometimes. <laughs> you, know, you know, I've heard, I've, I've heard this. although I, 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 this is changing quite a bit in most churches today. But, but I remember when they said, oh, healing was for another day. Healing was for another day. I'm not going to talk, you know, I, I've experienced healing. I've experienced healing by, through, through, through medical miracles. I've experienced healing through the touch of God, just a change, right, take it away, as, as many of you have. However, God heals us the point of the matter. He still does it today. I can't, it, it, somebody can come to me and say, well, God doesn't do that today. And I may have to say, well, he probably won't do it for you. because you don't believe it. But it's too late for you to tell me he's already done it for me Amen. and for many others that I know as well. So, so there's some things that you can't change our mind about. There's some things that we know. Now, there are a lot of things I don't know, but there's some things that I don't. And what I do know, I know. And what I've told you this morning about being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and the healing power of God, I know that. And it's too late for anybody to change my mind about it because I have already had the experience, and it's real in my life today. So they said to them, they said to them, just don't do this and don't teach anymore and preach anymore in Jesus' name and we'll let you go. And they said, if you think it's right for us to listen to you, then rather listen to God. You'll have to be the judge of that. But we've got to tell what we've seen and heard. That's where we are right now, friends. We've got to tell what we've seen and heard. We've got to declare it. We've got to proclaim it. We've got to let it be known. We've got to stand as the witness of God. We've got to stand as the living witness of God's power in the world today. We've got to let it be known. He's done it for me, and He can do it for you. I'm I'm kind of like the prophet Jeremiah was. Jeremiah said, this is in the 20th chapter of Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, if I say that, it doesn't matter because his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in and I cannot hold it in. His word is like a fire shut up in my bones, burning in my spirit. I've got to tell it. I've got to let it be known. I've got to declare this is the reality of God's presence and power and God's purpose in the lives of people in this world today. And now, let me, let me just bring one more thing to you because I, I just love this part. I've loved this for years and years and years. I remember when I, when I used to, I, I'd go off holding revivals and and uh, I'd be introduced the first night, and I'd stand up and say, Well, thank you, Pastor, for your introduction. I don't really need any introduction to a crowd like this. And then I would tell them about this occasion when they let Peter and John go from prison, and they send them out saying, You can't teach or preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, the English Standard doesn't say this, but the King James says, They departed from the jail, they departed and went to their own company. They went to where they knew the people and were known by the people. They went to their own place. They went to where they belonged. And I would say to the people, I've come to my own company. I get in a crowd of Pentecostal people, I know I'm in the right place. I'm in my own company. I'm right where I feel at home. This is right where I fit in. And that's the truth today, still today. You can come to your own company. Where's your company today? Where's your company? Where's your gathering? Where are your friends? Where are those you associate with and associate with you? Do you have to go down to the bar to find them? Have to go to some weird, strange place that you wouldn't want to know Jesus to know you were there to find them? If that's your company, friend, you're you're, you're a part of the wrong company. (laughs) No, I'm going to tell you where your company is. If you're a child of God, your company's right here. This is your company, right here. This is your crowd. this is your people, this is your friends. This is your fellowship. You've come to the right company when you come to the people of God. Are you going to gather up with the believers? Or are you going to gather up with the doubters? I'll tell you this: I made my decision a long time ago. I'm going to be with a crowd of believers. I'm going to stand with the crowd of those who say God is alive today. I'm going to stand with the crowd of those who say what God can do in our lives because I need Him doing that in my life. I need that fellowship, that friendship, that companionship, that partnership. That's what I need. That's what you need. And we can have that. And when we come into that crowd, if what's done in our hearts by the touch of God is the reality that we need, then we come into that crowd, we know we've come to the right company. We're in the right place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There are people that say when they walk into this church, they walk into a place that they know something is different. Probably, probably you can go a lot of places, find places that preachers don't preach quite as loud as I do. I, sometimes I do, I do say I get kind of carried away sometimes with it. I'm not apologizing, don't misunderstand. <laughs> I'm just letting you know I'm so, I'm so filled up with this. I'm so filled up with this. I've got to talk it and tell it and explain it and declare it and praise God for it every day. But I don't have anybody else to tell it to, I've got to go tell it to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God for what you've put inside me. Praise God for what you've given me. Praise God for the reality that you are. Hallelujah. That's what we want. That's what we want, friends. That's what we need from the Lord. If you want to know if you've come to your own company, if you feel in the right place in this crowd most likely you're in the right company. If you're a little bit strange feeling about things that I've said today and you're not quite sure about all of this, you don't know quite what to make of all this stuff that I'm ranting and raving about, you might not be quite a part of the right company yet, but you can be. (laughs) It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. Because I will tell you one thing. Jesus of Nazareth can change your life. Jesus of Nazareth can change your direction. Jesus of Nazareth can change your plans. Jesus of Nazareth can change you all the way through and make you a new person, a different person completely. And you will discover that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus because of what he's done and is doing and will do in your life. Praise God. Everybody here, please. Everybody here, stand to your feet with me right now.